0: Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. Mary Waxter, live from Vegas, number 13. Hey, part two. I didn't even prep you with that part. That's right. The untold history of the charismatic movement. And that's what we're doing. If you guys recall, on our first part, we dealt with the aberrant beliefs and behavior and the gold dust and the angel feathers. Remember all that stuff? Okay. And the gifts and all that kind of things. But now we're in part two, the tagline, the untold history of the charismatic movement. Now, uh, again, one of the things that they will say is that uh, the reason why this behavior is so weird to you and the shaking and the barking and the shrieking and all this other kind of stuff and the gold dust, supposedly angel feathers falling from the sky, whatever. They say, It's the last day's movement of the Spirit of God. That's why. Well, that's not true. We saw this kind of unfortunate behavior has been going on for a long time throughout history. After the death of the last apostle, the apostle John, shortly after that, the exact same thing was going on with Montanism. Then we saw the next basically 1,800 years, okay? This stuff's been going on. And hopped the pond from Europe, came over here to America. And then this is the event. They say it all started at this Azusa Street Revival. Now, again, we saw that's not true uh, in their history, uh, but what did start there is they began, from this point, they began to spread out, okay, but first they began to split. They began to split right and left into this faction and this group and this thing and and here, and then they began to spread out. So they got that part right as far as being able to spread from the Zeus of the Street Revival, okay, but it was based on a bunch of splits. Now, why do you think people would split so quickly, so often, so fast, Well, you're not unified, right? When you split, you're not unified. How do we get unified? How can you get different people from different walks of life, okay, to be, as the scripture encourages us to be, to be like-minded? You stick with the Bible. What's the problem with the charismatic premise? I got a word from God outside the Bible. I got an experience that God told me to tell you outside the Bible. So my God told me to, no, but God told me I'm going to, and there goes your splits, when you get off the Bible, you're always going to head towards a disagreement and it eventually split. So that's what happened and they begin to spread. Now, the first one that began to spread, there's a bunch of them we already dealt with, but we left off the last three times with oneness Pentecostalism, 1914. And what we saw is oneness Pentecostalism, let's just call it for what it is, biblically, they are not Christian. I will say that again. Oneness, Pentecostalism is not Christian. Why? Because as we saw, and they admit, and they believe, and they promote, and they teach falsely a works-based salvation. They say, as we saw, okay, that you have to be baptized to be saved. Is that true? No. They say you have to be not only baptized to be saved, you have to be baptized by one of them well wait a second what about all the other people that got saved before 1914 when you rose on the scene that's ridiculous and only that they say you only you have to be baptized and be baptized only by them and only in Jesus name is that true absolutely not okay then we saw they say you also have to speak in not tongues it's not the legitimate thing they do it's speaking gibberish in order to be saved is that true No, you're adding works to the gospel, okay? And that is not the gospel. That's a works-based salvation. That's not Christianity, and that's not a blessing to the body of Christ. Now, from these splits, from Azusa Street Revival, not only came one as Pentecostalism, the next one we're gonna deal with is simply called the Assemblies of God. Also in 1914, the Assembly of God. Well, that that sounds Christian. I mean, we're supposed to assemble together as Christians, and... And when we get saved, we become children of God. So surely this is a blessing to the body of Christ too, this Assemblies of God thing. I don't know, well, let's talk about that. But let's first open the Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, let's talk about that assembly factor. What should we be doing, right? Because we all know when we get together, the whole reason is about potlucks, No, I'm sorry. Some churches do teach that, apparently. So, but uh, no, when we all get together, the whole thing is the gossip and slander. To leave here feeling worse than when you came before. Yeah. No, wrong translation, right? It's to edify. It's to build each other up, Uh, certainly in these last days. And that's what we're going to see. Why do we assemble together uh, as Christians, okay? But um, let's take a look there. And uh, let's start with verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19, it says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us to the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great uh, uh, priest over the house of God, let us what? Now, this is what's called God's divine salad. Okay, you divine salad? Yeah, notice how many times in this passage, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but notice how many times he says, let us. Uh, yes, thank you, all two of you who actually got that. I'll pay you later. Okay, but let's take a look at God's divine salad. First of all, because of Jesus, what do we get to do? Let us... Draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Woo! Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of his work, not ours. You can't earn it. He did it all. Praise God. We have direct access to God. We've got a beautiful, intimate, loving relationship with the creator of the universe. Isn't that awesome? So when you realize that, Christian, you come together and, and you celebrate the fact that we have intimacy with God. Let us do that. Then he gives us another ingredient in his salad. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is what? Faithful. What's the hope? The hope that we're getting to heaven. Why? Because it's not based on our works. He's our high priest forever. Hebrews goes on to say, he forever intercedes for us. What sin is there that Jesus didn't forgive or can't forgive? It's done. It's complete. You're going to get there. He is faithful. So let's celebrate that when we get together. We have intimacy with God. We got security. We're going to get to heaven. It's based on Christ. And here's another piece of salad. And let us consider how we may what? spur one another on towards gossip and slander or hating and backbiting and let's do oh no what are we supposed to do when we get together love and good deeds well why do we do that that's what Christians do. I mean, if you, if you're really, your motive is about, I'm here to celebrate what Jesus has done for me. He's forgiven me and I got a beautiful, loving, intimate relationship with Him and, and it's guaranteed through the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm getting to heaven. Woohoo! You're kind of excited. You want to share that with people around you and certainly your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what do you do? You all celebrate that when you get together. This is a blessing. Guys, this is great. Let's keep this up. Let's work together. Let's get this wonderful good news out to the world. And Whoa, but he gets another piece of salad. And then he says, let us what? Not give up meeting together. What do you mean to tell I worship God and nature. I don't need to go to church services. That's right, I'm out there witnessing to the squirrels. Excuse me? That's what some people say. But really, that's an excuse to go to uh, you know, listen to Pastor I.B. Snoozin from the Bedside Sheets Assembly <laughs> in the Church of St. Mattress. Yeah, that's really what's going on. All right. But here, let's go on. He says, what? Let us not give up meeting together as what? Even back then. Listen, after all Jesus is done, I ain't got time. I'm gonna, uh, I don't need to go to as some are in the habit of doing. But here it is. Let us, again, encourage one another, and it's common sense, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Man, as the day approaching, is it getting near? Getting closer? Is the world getting more wicked as it goes on? Then what do we need? We need each other. We need to come together. We need to be a blessing to one another. We need to come together, meet together. We need to spur each other on to love and good deeds. We need to celebrate this intimacy with God and the fact that it's guaranteed we're going to heaven. Woo! Okay, now that's how we're supposed to, here's my whole point Bringing you a assemble, right? We assemble, we're children of God, and so here we go. We have this entity called the Assemblies of God. So surely, this is a major blessing to the body of Christ. Well, I don't know, let's take a look and take a look at this group, and we're gonna take a look at a little bit of their history, their beliefs, and their behavior, and the people in their movement, and you tell me, unfortunately, if it's been a blessing to the body of Christ. Okay? We're going to start off with their timeline. I got this from themselves. They provide this timeline of this incredible movement called the Assemblies of God. Okay, let's take a look at a little piece right here. There are moments that
1: last a second, and there are moments that live on forever. Today, we continue to live in a forever moment. What started as one moment around one idea... To reach every person everywhere for jesus turned into a monumental movement the assemblies of god these are our moments the azusa street revival an interracial revival was one of the focal points of the emerging pentecostal movement five ministers issued a call to come to hot springs arkansas 300 pentecostal leaders from around the u.s gathered There, the assemblies
0: of God came into existence. Okay, stop right there. We can't go any further because we're dealing with the first lie. Uh, Either, and there's only, to me, two options with this. Either you're being totally dishonest about your history, okay, or you don't know your history, I don't know which one which. I'll let the person who ever made that fill in the blank. But what they said there was a the statement if you're paying attention. It was based on, again, what was the big watershed moment for these charismatic groups? The Azusa Street Revival. They didn't just say that. They said what? What was the word there? It's an interracial revival. Everybody's happy. All one in Christ. Blacks and whites. No matter what color you are. That's why this made this movement so special. Really? Now, what they didn't tell you, they did mention the, the, the calling and, the, and 300 Pentecostal uh, leaders showed up. As we'll get to in a second, uh, those leaders were all white leaders. And they deliberately left behind other races. Oop. That doesn't sound interracial to me. Now let's go back and remind ourselves a little bit what went on with Azusa Street. And that was not an interracial movement. This is being dishonest. Either dishonest or you're ignorant of your own history. I don't know which. But let's remind ourselves of what went on in this moment. Again, which again is celebrated. This is what, if only this event could happen again in our lifetime and bring such a great revival. You don't want to be a part of this. Let me give you some more information. Uh, The Azusa Street Revival held meetings three times a day, seven days a week, sometimes at night for about three years. Well, it must have been incredible. Well, it was incredible entertainment, but I don't think it was from God at all. Watch this. We've seen some of this before. Uh, This is actual accounts of people who were there and witnessed the behavior that went on. Quote, a woman stood shaking from head to foot. A man in front of her slid down out of his chair, became unconscious. He rose, staggered to them, and began to shake his hand in front of their faces and wave his arms over the heads. He began to moan. Then he put his hands on the head of women and began to shake their hair. Some of them lost control of themselves and went under a hypnotic spell. He rubbed a man's jaw until the victim tumbled over on the floor, and he lay there for half an hour. A young woman, doing her best to get the gibberish—their words, not mine—went uh, through all kinds of. Cont- torsions to get it to work a woman had her arms around a man's neck praying for him a woman walked up in front and kissed a man folks this was 1914 and this is supposed to be a church service even doing that today is not appropriate then it says quote pandemonium was loose there was people jerking muttering mumbling most of the time shrieking each was quote trying to be louder than the others One man was waving his arms. His body was swaying. I thought he might be heard two blocks away. There was barking like dogs, hooting like owls and the like. It also is worth noting that the Pentecostal congregations were commonly ordered out of town by the police because of the racket they made. And not just the racket because they got so loud and what is disturbing the peace, but because of the, quote, general misconduct crawling on all fours, barking up a tree like a dog. Uh, One guy ran around hugging everyone he could uh, get a hold of, but he called it divine love. (laughs) One missionary leader spoke out with horror what happened at Azusa Street, declaring that, quote, it would be impossible to publish the things that have occurred there. The familiarity between the sexes in the public meetings has been shocking to say the least. Listen, hell has reaped an awful harvest and infidelity has become strongly rooted than ever before. Sexual impropriety is rife as is marital breakdown and other problems. Does that sound like God's behind this? Is this something you want to celebrate in your history? I certainly wouldn't right? And then again, that was Seymour heading this up as we saw before. But remember Charles Parham, who was before that, who Seymour got infected with some of this stuff. Charles Parham, if you recall, he even said about what was going on here, quote, God is sick at his stomach because of the animalism that's going on there. So even the guy in the, still with that same mindset was saying, man, this is, whoa. Now, The occurrences, here's the other problem. The occurrences of Azusa Street soon attracted the attention of occultists far and wide. They did so not because God was in the movement, because he was not. Quote, spiritualists and mediums from numerous occult societies of Los Angeles began to attend and to contribute their seances and trances to the services. That's not a good thing. And then one guy there observes, how, how can an outpouring of the spirit of God attract witches, mediums, and spiritualists? Fragrance does not attract flies, but a decomposing carcass does. Mediums and spiritualists are attracted to the spirit that has at them. That is the devil. How else could these evil people participate in what was supposed to be a revival meeting? The only answer is that the events of Azusa Street were not of God at all, but were of Satan. And then they give, of course, a biblical example. Did the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, attract mediums and spiritualists to, to participate with the disciples? And that's exactly what they said, Pastor Tom. No, of course not. They did not. Mediums and spiritists were powerless in, in our palace in the presence of God. The power of Satan at Azusa Street was so strong. Listen, that the supernatural atmosphere of the Azusa Street was felt within several blocks. If it had been the power of God, mediums and spiritualists would not have been able to enter that hallowed area. Instead, they flocked there to join in the revelry because they recognized that the same spirit as they had was present at Azusa Street. Do you want to really celebrate that? Now, again, that's just a background. We already kind of dealt with that, but I want to kind of get us, okay. And you're going to celebrate that event, but then you're not only going to celebrate that event, whoa, you're going to say it was interracial, it was incredible. No, it's not, that's not true. So again, you're either being dishonest, okay, or you're ignorant of your own history. And I quote, early racial uh, claims of racial tolerance are false. There were disruptions between whites and blacks. Seymour even made the Hispanics leave and he denied leadership to white people. How's that interracial? Okay, Seymour's two female aides left and took his mailing list to start another work in Portland while another, and this they're splitting, going crazy all over the place, while another leader started, guess what? The Assemblies of God, being expelled uh, after he got expelled. And then, of course, he starts the Assembly got moving. They had the call, and here comes 300 white guys. Now, let me, let me go on that a little bit more. Uh, in ni- April 1914, after splitting, listen, Here's how it all kind of went down. Okay? They were basically, after this Azusa Street, man, there's groups splitting here, then this group splitting here, and then this group is splitting here, and this group is splitting here. Well, traditional, if you want to use that word, or, or fundamental, just evangelical Christian churches that weren't into this, obviously, because it's not biblical, as we've been seeing, they were rejecting these people. So, you know, they're trying to go somewhere. So that's why they basically went in their own group, right, and began to form all these different denominations. Assemblies of God, again, was one of them. So was oneness, Pentecostalism, four squared and some other ones we'll get into. But in April 1914, listen, after splitting from the African-American dominated Church of God in Christ, that's where these 300 white preachers, quote, and laymen from 20 states showed up at Hot Springs, Arkansas, right? So what did they deliberately split themselves from? From the African-American group. So this whole thing is, it's, again, you're either being dishonest or you don't even know your own history. You're trying to paint this as some great, incredible revival. No, it wasn't, as we saw with the behavior. But then you're trying to say it was just this movement of unity. and we, We've all got to engage in this behavior and be like them because it produces unity wherever it breaks out. No, it doesn't. That's not true, okay? If it's so interracial, why did 300 white preachers leave the African-American churches behind? specifically based on that, right? But let's continue on. Uh, The Assemblies of God, though, uh, forms right now the world's largest Pentecostal denomination, okay? Uh, Today, the fourth largest international Christian group of denominations, okay? So let's get down to, that's kind of a little bit of their history, okay? Let's get into some of their beliefs. Now, prior to 1967, the Assemblies of God, along with uh, the majority of the Pentecostal denominations that are coming out of this movement, Okay, one thing that they opposed was the Christian participation in war. Okay, basically it's that idea of pacifists. And quote, the U.S. Assemblies of God continues to give full doctrinal support to members who are led by religious conscience uh, of pacifism. Okay, we also saw, guess who is big on that? Jehovah's Witness. That's right, Jehovah's Witness. You got the right answer. And is that somebody you wanna follow? I don't know. But so, so, so they're kind of big on that. You know, it's, it's, it's this unity. It produced this incredible unity. That's a lie. And then we're not even supposed to do anything. We just roll over and let people beat us up, and that's what God taught. No, let's take a look at that issue. Uh, pacifism, obviously, is the idea that we should be opposed to all war, As a means to settling disputes, pacifists refuse on moral or religious grounds to bear arms or engage in any type of physical resistance. And they believe that all disputes can and should be settled in peaceful, nonviolent ways. And pacifists are usually uh, conscious objectors in time of war, such as the Quakers, the Mennonites, the Amish. We saw the Jehovah's Witnesses and apparently the Assemblies of God. And as they said, quote, much of the Pentecostal denominations, even still today. Now, uh, they would actually say the reason why is because that's what the Bible commands. The Bible commands we should never get involved in any war, i.e. to be a total pacifist. Is that true? Not even close. Uh, but but what they do is they typically gravitate towards and say, well, that's what Jesus taught. I mean, haven't you read the Beatitudes and, 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 or the Sermon on the Mount and all that stuff and we're just supposed to... J- well, again, you're taking things out of context. And they say that Jesus never promoted uh, uh, killing our enemies and, and that uh, you know, we, we, we should be peacemakers, not soldiers. Uh, I think you got the wrong Jesus, especially the one that's coming back in Revelation 19. We'll get to that in a second. Okay, yeah, he did come the first time as a lamb, bruised and beaten on our behalf. Praise God for his blood that opened up that intimacy. We're guaranteed to get to heaven and et cetera, as we saw in Hebrews. Uh, but he's coming back next time to dish out the beatings. Did you know he's going to war with the planet? What's that sound like? And guess who comes back with him? You and I, soldiers. Hello, we sing songs about it. Onward, Christian pacifist. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong hymnal, right? Soldier. Now, but is it realistic? Now think about this. These people who are saying this, claiming it's Christian when it's not, but listen to to this. Uh, Does pacifism really work? I mean, does the work against any terrorist group uh, uh, does, does it work against terrorist groups or fascist dictators? What happens to pacifists and their families when terrorists threaten them? The no war crowd seems to forget that their freedom and ex- to exercise pacifism was bought with the blood of non-pacifists. And those soldiers did not die because they loved war. They died in part so that future pacifists could expound freely about their sincerely held beliefs without fear of death, torture, or imprisonment by those who refused to consider peace. Without non-pacifists, there would be no pacifists. And you can't have it both ways. Now, despite what they would have to believe, it's not true. By the way, did you know that God is not a pacifist? Think about this. The Bible is replete with God uh, taking vengeance on his enemies, especially in the Old Testament. But see, that's just it. It's just the Old Testament. Now we're under grace, and it's a whole new way of living. Well, you might want to keep reading the New Testament as well, right? It's impossible to read Revelation without seeing that God is coming back, specifically Jesus, and he is going to war with this planet, and you ain't gonna win. And it's a bloody scene, Revelation 19, open your Bibles, let's see that. How pacifist is Jesus when he comes back? And, oh, by the way, and we with him. Okay, this is at the end of the seven-year tribulation, dealing with the battle of Armageddon. Let's take a look, Revelation 19. If you find the dictionary, what do you do? Hang it your left. If you're at Genesis, what do you do? Just close it, turn it over, start the bag. Revelation 19, the return of Jesus Christ, the second coming, the end of the seven-year tribulation is the context, the time frame. Right, But let's take a look. Verse 11. Verse 11. And I saw heaven standing open. there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Obviously, we're talking about Jesus. With justice, he judges and makes war. Oh, I'm just quoting Bible folks. He makes war. In fact, his eyes are like a blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. His, his name is written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed and his robe is dipped in, whoa, that's pretty graphic, blood. And, and his name is the word of God. In fact, the who? Oh, armies. Is anybody starting to see a pattern here? I, I don't, these aren't pacifist words to me. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp what? Spatula, because he's gonna feed people some pancakes and it's gonna be a beautiful world. No, uh, comes a sword with which he's gonna strike down the nations and he will rule them with what? An iron scepter. Right? He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Whoa! And on his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And then I saw an angel standing in the sun and cried out in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, come, gather together for the great supper of God so that you may, what? Whoa, eat the flesh of kings, generals and mighty men and of horses and the riders and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Wow. And then pop down to verse 21. And the rest of them. Of course, he throws the Antichrist and the false prophet immediately into the lake of fire. Verse 21, the rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse Jesus and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Now, that's a pretty intense scene, okay? But what you gotta do is you gotta go back to Revelation 14. It gives you another little nugget there of just this battle, the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, Man, it really, no one of the birds had to come up and clean it up, right? Because it is just a bloody mess, Uh, after Jesus gets done, right? But uh, Revelation 14, there at the very end, it says there in verse 19, the angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, threw them into the great wine press of God's what? Wrath, listen to this, and they were trampled in the wine press outside the city. The blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as a horse's bridle, that's about four feet deep, and for a distance of 1,600 stadia or around 200 miles. But somehow, God's a pacifist. And he wouldn't hurt a flea. No, that's why you want to be on God's side. Because he takes rebellion to him and his kingdom very serious. And the fact that we were all, myself included, disqualified to be a part of his kingdom, and we all, myself included, rebelled against him, he lovingly gave his son to die for us so that we could escape the penalty of being under the wrath of God. And guess what? He is not going to let what's going on on this planet go on forever. He is going to have the last word, but be rest assured he's going to win. And those who rebel against them, he's going to take out. It's going to be a bloody mess. It'll be the quickest war ever, but it's going to be a bloody war. Okay. So again, that doesn't seem to fit their narrative that uh, somehow you can. not Now with, uh, let me balance it out. Uh, Personal personal pacifism should be the goal, meaning that every follower of Christ, we are called to live in peace as much as we're able to do so. I'm not saying we've got to go out there and beat everybody up, right? Of course not. We should be willing to turn the other cheek. We should be willing to even be cheated if it means not dishonoring the name of Christ, right? Because it's not about self. When peace is an option, we should pursue it as far as it will go. But when the lives and liberties of others are threatened, a higher law draws us to their defense. When a nation needs to defend itself from those who would destroy its peace, the true peacemakers join forces to protect it. So I bring that up because that's just one of their belief aspects uh, that they say that, you know, we pass. That's not what the Bible. Another belief that's coming out of this group, and again, not just them, a lot of the Pentecostals that came out of this movement, Azusa Street uh, as we see the common thread is they teach falsely and I'm not going to go into this deep because we've dealt with it so many different times before the so called uh, second blessing that you need the quote baptism of the Holy Spirit and what they mean by that is not the one that you got which is the only one you get and that's at salvation, they say it's a second dose of the Holy Spirit because you're a little bit low in the tank. And, and they say the evidence of you getting that experience is speaking in that gibberish. So again, that's what they believe. That's a big thing they teach. And we saw that's not true. Okay, of course, there are big proponents in divine healing. And we've already went into that. Does God heal? Of course he heals. But that's not what they're talking about. If you use this technique or you sow a seed to my so-called ministry, uh, God's gonna bless you. He's gonna heal you. You're gonna have perfect wealth and perfect health. That's not scriptural. So a lot of that also comes out of this movement as well. And typically, the assemblies of God, most of the Pentecostal movements uh, believe that you can lose your salvation. Man, we just looked at one verse tonight, Hebrews chapter 10. It's impossible. He who's done this is what? faithful <laughs> he just guarantees he's gonna get there his blood cleanses that's why we're so excited that's why when we do assemble as the children of God we're so excited we encourage one another Woo! nobody's got a brighter future than Christians right and uh, but no they said no 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 you can lose it and again I don't know how far you can push that it's unbiblical to me completely okay but my concern is this how far can you push saying you could lose your salvation by your works And then you're really, if you think about it, are you trusting in works for salvation? Because you're saying on the one hand, I don't work for it, but I could work myself out of it. Isn't that still works? A little concerning, which means like one is Pentecostalism. They add you got to be baptized in Jesus name only and only their guys and speaking gibberish. But if you say that I have to be careful not to work myself out of my salvation, then is that not works-based salvation? And if that's what you're promoting, I got a problem with that. Okay, but let's take a look at just their general body. What this body called the Assemblies of God is producing, right? Is it a blessing to you and I? Well, I, obviously I can't get to all of them. And we're probably going to be in this for a couple of weeks. But this also will give us an opportunity to take a look at, unfortunately, what has become the face of Christianity for the lost, as we saw, uh, is not good. Because a lot of the Pentecostal denominations teaching these things, and dare I say, even false teachings and false gospels, they're out there with the big media, with the big books, and they've been there for history. Uh, e- the biggest scandals going on is typically from Pentecostal groups, right? And unfortunately, a lot of them are coming from the Assemblies of God. Now, these are people that we're going to talk about tonight. They're all Assemblies of God. And the first ones we're going to take a look at were these people, a blessing to the body of Christ, is Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Assemblies have gone through and through. What a blessing that we have experienced when we assemble together and because, I don't think so. Uh, I shared just a little tidbit of what went on uh, and how the secular said what they did and the chicanery, it was quote, the greatest scab and cancer on the face of Christianity in 2000 years of church history. Is that a blessing? You wonder why people look at you and I when we start talking about Jesus. Oh, you're one of those. You all you care about is money. You're a hypocrite. You're a liar. You just want. Where do do people get that from? It isn't just from these people. Typically, they're coming from this movement. Okay, now let me give you a couple more examples. It was brought on by a class action suit of more than 160,000 believers who contributed uh, uh, as much ministry that amassed the empire worth $158 million. But they weren't wise, obviously with the money. Uh, For instance, one time they spent more than $100 on the purchase of cinnamon rolls, not to eat them, just so they could smell them in their hotel room. They had a regular practice of spending over $100,000 on a private jet just to fly their clothing across country. They spent $60,000 in gold-plated bathroom fixtures, thousands of dollars on an air-conditioned doghouse, uh, which turned out too noisy for the dog, so he never slept in it. The husband and wife duos uh, not only got $200,000 a year each, but awarded themselves over $4 million in bonuses. And because of this, they own six mansions, lots of luxury cars, and 47 different bank accounts. But guess what? Jim Baker is back. Remember, we saw some of these guys? All they do is wait a decade or maybe two. Remember, Peter Popoff, he got exposed on Johnny Carson. We already dealt with that. He's back in action. It's like, is there no discipline in the Pentecostal denominations? How do these guys keep coming back? Well, he's back, but let's take a look at them.
2: Now to that scandal that brought down a Christian TV empire. 30 years later, 2020 has a special look at the televangelist Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Amy here with that story. And Amy, you also took a look at what Jim Baker's doing now.
1: That's right. Well, he could have been in prison right now. He was sentenced to 45. He only served five. And so he is out. And now he is back in front of the cameras.
3: I'm talking about... End times. Oh, i
1: got powdered food. It's the talk show that describes itself as a daily broadcast featuring prophetic and biblical revelations brought to light in today's world. But take a close look at the host. He may look very familiar. Welcome to the gym. Show. It's Jim Baker with closely cropped hair and a white beard, looking markedly different than his days as a household name back in the 70s and 80s. Baker, along with then-wife Tammy Faye, quickly rose to stardom with the Praise the Lord Network. I'm asking you to start giving and just see what happens in your life. But the couple suffered a very public downfall in the late 80s. Jim caught in a sex scandal. All I could tell you is it certainly was not an affair.
2: Okay, her version is pretty horrific. And in today's Me Too movement, it probably could have resulted in criminal charges. Now, if you believe Jim Baker's version of it, it was a consensual liaison.
1: The Bakers lost control of their PTL empire. Allegations of fraudulent fundraising led to a federal indictment for Jim. Jim Baker was found guilty on all 24 counts of wire and mail fraud and conspiracy. Tammy filed for divorce before passing away in 2007. Baker appealed his sentence and was released from prison after serving just five years. Now, Jim Baker's back on TV. If the power goes out, we believe in being ready for anything.
3: guess you say, Jim and Lori, help me be
1: prepared today. Once again, spreading his faith alongside wife Lori. He's back on TV selling a lot of stuff. Yeah, this is a big scandal. I, yep. I remember this to this. Yep. Oh, yeah. Remember oh, yeah. the yeah. mascara? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. Back in action. Now, did you notice what he was doing? He was selling stuff. What's he selling? He's selling prepping gear. Now, am I against, if you want to prep? Ah, if you want to prep, there was an earthquake. It just got done preaching. It was a rough gig in Hawaii. But, you know, you got you to, gotta, you know, in case a hurricane hits or something like that, or if, you know, lights go out or emergency, tornado, you know, things, I'm not against that. But that's not the premise. The premise is he believes the church is going to be in the seven-year tribulation and you got to become the ultimate survivor, and which I believe is completely unbiblical, and so you know what the antidote is. You and I, as preachers, would say what we should be doing right now is spending all of our time, resources, talents, and tongues to getting the gospel out. Right? He says, "No, you need to buy from me all that clam chowder and dried corn and rice." Okay, and you got to buy bags of lime because you got to dig holes in your backyard and, and dispose of your waste. And, and so, and you think I'm joking. I forget which conference it was this year, but I was at, and one of the speakers there uh, had told me, I don't know if it was Baker's ministry, uh, but they had shared that one ministry that sells this uh, message of fear, because if you're in the tri- seven-year tribulation, you've got to somehow survive. Uh, and we just happen to have the antidote. That's right. Buy these packages of corn. Uh, they make millions and he said, just in one year alone, this one particular ministry, I think he said it was something like $78 million just on survival gear and food products. Somebody's doing it again. Now, is that a blessing to the body of Christ with all due respect? I don't think so. Man, you think after getting spanked, you come back and, man, I'm not doing that again. I want to get right with the Lord. and That's not good. Um, oh, but not only that, also assembly of God. Let's deal with another candidate. It's these folks here. Oh boy, what is it with the eyes thing? Okay, Uh, there's a pattern here uh, with all due respect that this is Paul and Jan Crouch. Now, both of them have uh, somewhat recently passed away, but let's deal with that. And of course, what they're basically known for is frankly, one of the biggest sewer pipes of false teaching that is still being aired across the world today called TBM. right? Uh, I like to explain that acronym, TBM as the Total Blasphemy Network, And I'll just say what it is, because the bulk of it, folks, is just a bunch of junk that you don't want to be a part of. And not only that, they use that platform just like the bakers, and it's, again, ripping people off. The common thread you're going to see with a lot of these charismatic people, especially the ones that are out there in the media, is what? The name it and claim it, the blab it and grab it, the word faith, get rich, give me money, God will bless you if you give me money, 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 and these people are ripping people off. And Paul and Jan Crouch were also one of the biggest people to do that. In fact, uh, Paul Crouch again recently passed away. This person put together what was called an honest eulogy of Paul Crouch. Let's take a look at that.
2: On November 30th, 2013, Paul Crouch, co-founder of the Trinity Broadcasting Network, passed away. If we were to write an honest eulogy for this man... Perhaps this is what it would say. He was a man who prospered. In fact, he personified the prosperity doctrine, building a life of luxury on the wallets, purses, and personal donations of the indoctrinated, the brainwashed, the gullible, the vulnerable, and the weak. He offered prayers and promises to the oppressed and downtrodden from his opulent television studio and most certainly during the limousine rides to one of his many mansions. And as he cruised the skies on his $50 million private jet. He gave to the needy, as when his wife Jan needed her own private mansion next to his, and she also needed a $100,000 mobile home specifically for the family dogs. Paul Crouch was the king of bling, and his expensive toys, if exchanged for cash, would have undoubtedly fed the mouths and housed the families of thousands upon thousands of impoverished and afflicted souls across the planet. His life was marked by big money, big hair, and promises of big blessings in exchange for big donations. And of course, the faithful did give. Cash, checks, and credit card numbers. The viewing audience said, please take our money. And Paul Crouch Sr. said thanks a million. Honestly, does Paul Crouch deserve a hero's tribute? Are the lives of his fans and followers truly better because of his television appearances, preaching and prayers? Or was he an opportunist who built a multi-million dollar life of luxury and privilege?
0: upon an offering plate. Well, what a blessing. That was amazing. You know what's sad is, you saw when they started off the headline there from Charisma News, that's a, obviously a charismatic outlet, but how'd they sit, how, what, how, how was his death being looked upon? This great pillar, this amazing guy. Hey, what? What? I'm not saying he didn't do some good. I don't know. Hopefully he did something somewhere. But by and large, was, is that a blessing to the body? And, and, and having that those people do what they do and the false teaching and ripping people off their cash and, and even the lost, watch that as they're flipping through the channels. Do you think that's a great witness for the rest of us? Who the lost doesn't know the difference. So they say, well, you must be like one of them. And you wonder why we get the cold shoulder and then we looked at it like we're weird. And we're sitting there like, but we don't teach that. That's not what the Bible. But the lost don't know, so we get lumped into it. That's not a blessing. Paul Crouch, uh, they founded, of course, the TBM in 1973. In 1973, he was born in St. Joseph, uh, Missouri. He was the third son of an Assemblies of God missionary. Uh, he became interested early on in amateur radio. And he said he was, quote, going to use the technology to send the gospel around the world. Now, man, if you only would have stuck with that. Because you had a huge platform and they still have a huge platform. The son has now taken over uh, the ministry as far as I understand. He graduated from Central Bible College, which is an Assembly of God Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, He met Janice Bethany, Jan, that became his wife in 1957 in missouri got two sons paul crouch jr and matthew crouch 1961 he was appointed uh by the general council of assemblies of god to organize and operate their newly formed department of television and film production in burbank california he did that for four years then in 1973 him and his wife jan founded tbn along with guess who jim and tammy faye baker Now, the Bakers eventually left a couple years later, but eventually that was a cooperative thing. Apparently, uh, they left in 1975. But TBM, even to this day, listen to this spewing forth this false teaching, all this baloney, is viewed globally on 70 satellites, over 18,000 TV and cable affiliates. It's seen on the web globally. It's carried on over 287 television stations just in the United States alone and also around the world in 75 countries and their programming is translated into 11 languages and it's a rotten witness for Christ. And I've said this before, I can't prove it, but it's a chrome theory. A lot of people say, well, they must have the blessings of God. Look at all the finances they got. Look at all the, they got, they're they're able to reach so many, really? If I was Satan and I wanted to spread false teachings and a rotten witness around the world, who would I make sure they had lots of funding? So is it really from God or is it another source? I don't see God wanting to promote that, okay? In 2000, Crouch was sued for $40 million because he was accused of stealing another author uh, plagiarism uh, who wrote The Omega Code that he turned into a movie. They said it was his, but it wasn't. That was settled uh, out of court with an undisclosed sum. Uh, 2004, it was reported that uh, in 1998, Crouch, Paul Crouch, paid Enoch Lonnie Ford, a former employee, $425,000 settlement, uh, and it was re- for a wrong t- termination suit, but the paper also reported that Ford had alleged a sexual relationship between the two men. And then he died. Jan, her background, basically, she was the daughter of an Assembly of God pastor. And uh, again, 1973, after she got married of her husband, stuff they formed TBM. Uh, and listen to this, TBN is currently the third largest over-the-air station group in the United States Measured by the percentage of homes that you know are reached, with CBS Fox and NBC holding the fourth, fifth, and sixth place they 're ahead of those guys, and you wonder why when we try to witness to people, they look at us and go <laughs> because this has become the face of christianity and it 's not christianity it 's crazy it 's unfortunate now, Jan Crouch obviously had her own problems in tw- uh, two thousand and twelve she was accused by her granddaughter. Of obviously, misappropriating funds to spend on her lavish lifestyle. The expenditures included expensive homes, private jets, massive custom wigs. Turn to somebody and say, "Shocker!" Okay, uh, and a one hundred thousand dollar air conditional mobile home, as you saw, solely for her dogs. They also wrote that for nearly two years, uh, she rented adjoining rooms for herself and her two dogs at a deluxe hotel while they were building the Holy Land Experience in Orlando. And uh, it also accuses the suit, the allegations that Jan had an affair with a Holy Land experienced employee. So she wasn't faithful either, apparently. Also in 2012, Crouch's granddaughters, Jan Crouch's granddaughter sued TBM, alleging that she had been molested and raped by a TBM employee at the age of 13. She alleged that Jan Crouch screamed at her, blamed her for the assault. The employee was subsequently fired, but never reported to the authorities. The Crouch's lawyer said the network was attempting to cover it up and prevent a scandal and in 2017, a year after Jan Crouch's death, a jury awarded the granddaughter $2 million in damages. That don't sound like much of a blessing to the body of Christ to me. Let me give you just one more is all we have after this quick one here. But as you saw in the videotape, uh, guess who's also Assembly of God? And uh, that would be Jessica Hahn. Now Jessica Hahn of course, was the one that got involved uh, with the sexual scandal with Jim Baker. Uh, now, that was the one thing, but because of that investigation, that's when they began to open up the big can of worms about all the financial misappropriation things of that nature, but the Assemblies of God. And then that kind of affair aspect bleeds into this next Assemblies of God guy. Anybody starting to see a pattern here? Anybody wondering why people look at the church to say, and say, all you preachers want is our where do you think they get that from? And where's this coming from? By and large, the charismatic community. That's what's unfortunate, okay? But we got this guy, and so so Jimmy Swaggart, uh, blessing and yeah, yeah, let's revisit that scandal. Let's take a look at them. Jimmy
2: Swagger's sex scandal.
0: I have sinned against you, my Lord,
2: and I would ask that your precious blood Jimmy Lee Swagger was a well-known televangelist in the 1980s and a minister of the Pentecostal Christian denomination known as the Assemblies of God. Swaggart's success and notoriety came under fire in the public eye, however, when the preacher became involved in a sex scandal with a prostitute. This ultimately led the assembly to strip him of his ability to practice religious ordinances. Swaggart's struggle during the scandal reached its peak, when in 1988, he addressed his wife and congregation in a choked-up confession. It was watched on television by millions, and served as one of the most memorable moments of the 80's televangelist boom.
3: Marvin Gorman, a TV evangelist from New Orleans, was believed to have given photos of Swaggart and a prostitute to church leaders. Uh, I have no comment on that. Um. Gorman confessed to immorality a few years ago, but blames Swaggart for accusing him of numerous affairs.
1: In America, a leading television evangelist has confessed publicly to committing sins against God and his family. Jimmy Swaggart made his confession on television and left the pulpit in tears. It's believed he was photographed with a prostitute in a hotel room.
3: Jimmy Swaggart's church was packed yesterday as the wealthy American evangelist arrived with his wife and family. The sermon was hardly typical. The preacher had come to make a public confession about a sexual encounter with a prostitute.
0: This nation is a nation under God, of God
3: and These are hard times for television evangelism, still shaken by an earlier scandal involving Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Ironically, it was Mr Swaggart whose charges of adultery helped bring down another television evangelist, Jim Baker. Mr Baker was forced to resign last year as head of a hugely successful South Carolina ministry and holiday complex called PTL, or Praise the Lord. Mr. Baker said he'd been wickedly manipulated into a sexual encounter with a church secretary. The secretary said the preacher had insisted on it. Jimmy Swaggart said he won't be doing any more preaching until church officials have decided what disciplinary action they're going to take.
0: And apparently it wasn't a really big disciplinary action because guess what? He's back. Just like the, anybody starting to see a pattern here? Like, man, do you don't hold anybody to any kind of a biblical standard? What's going on here? Uh, But uh, Jimmy Lee Swagger, remember that Jimmy Lee Swagger, uh, born in 1935, American Pentecostal evangelist. Uh, Swagger's TV ministry began in 1971, uh, has a viewing audience, uh, because again, he's back in the U.S. internationally. Uh, Throughout the U.S., 78 channels, 104 different countries all over the internet. They operate under what's called Sun Life Broadcasting Network. And, of course, as you just saw, the big issue was the scandals. The scandals not only in the 80s, but also early 90s, okay? He temporarily stepped down from Jimmy Swaggart Ministries, and, of course, the key word there is temporary. Now, Jimmy Lee Swaggart is the cousin of Jerry Lee Lewis, okay? Also, uh, country star Mickey Gilley. So they're relations, right? And uh, both of those are also Assemblies of God, Those guys, okay, as it's reported. Now, speaking of uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, what was kind of one of the big scandals back in the day? You guys remember what went on? He married his cousin. Wasn't just a cousin, but how old was she? Yeah, pretty, pretty young. Watch this. Uh, Swaggart attended, Jimmy Lee Swaggart, attended a small 25-member Assembly of God church, and in 1952, at age 17, he married a 15-year-old. So... I don't know, I guess if Jerry Lee gets to, then Jimmy Lee, isn't that kind of weird? But anyway, but that's, that's how it, now uh, uh, they have us uh, one son, his name is Donnie Swagger, which is out there as well. And uh, so, uh, but he began full-time, quote, evangelist at work in 1955. 1961, he was ordained by the Assemblies of God and a year later began radio ministry. And uh, by 1975, the big thing that he was reaching out on was TV, Okay, and started using that as his primary platform. By 1983, he was on more than 250 television stations. uh, I would assume just in the U.S. But in 1988, as you saw, he was involved in a sexual scandal. And apparently the discipline wasn't firm enough or strong enough or whatever because, quote, three years later, guess what? He did it again. And now he's back. Okay. Now, as you saw the one clip of the guy, there's a reason why I included that. In 1986, when Swaggart exposed fellow Assemblies of God minister, that Marvin Gorman guy, you saw the, the actual interview. And so Swaggart accu- uh, uh, accused another Assemblies of God guy, Gorman, of having several affairs. Well, it got exposed. Gorman was defrocked from the Assemblies of God and his ministry ended. So Gorman was the one who hired his son Randy and son-in-law Garland Bilbo That's not the Hobbit family. That's apparently this family from wherever uh, to stake out to travel in on Airline Highway in Baton Rouge, down Louisiana, right? So he's basically kind of retal. Oh yeah, you're going to get me. I'll get you. So what's going on the Assemblies of God there? But again, he's back in action. Of course, 24-7 cable, satellite, television network, and sunlight broadcasting network. He's on DirecTV, Dish Network, Glory Star Channel, uh, ATT, UVerse, Verizon Fios, uh, cable TV providers all through the US, U.S., Australia, New Zealand. He's available 24 hours a day in the United Kingdom on Sky Channel and also on DSTV Channel for uh, African viewers. And he has a Bible college. I don't recommend getting a degree from there, personally. But you gotta be kidding me. Now again, I'm just dealing with some facts and the highlights. I'm not saying that there aren't scandals in quote Baptist denominations. But I'm talking to some of these biggest ones, the ones that have defamed the name of Christ and been a horrible witness for you and I that we're dealing, dealing with to this day. Where are they coming from? From this event that is supposed to be new, and that's not true, we've seen that throughout history, but that's supposed to be this incredible movement of God and it was not from God, that supposedly provided all this incredible unity and it was the major source of massive splits even in their own thinking. And now it has not produced a blessing from, for the body of Christ, let alone a witness for Christ. It's coming from the same source. And that's what's unfortunate. Now, Lord willing, next time, we're gonna continue. Who else is coming out of the specific movement, the Assemblies of God? Well, you're gonna have people will talk about Lord willing like Steve Hill. Steve Hill, I believe, uh, passed away uh, somewhat recently as well. He was the guy behind, remember that event called the Brownsville Revival? Surely that was from God. Well, no, it wasn't, Mary. Stop calling me Shirley. But uh, no, we're going to deal with that. But also the Toronto revival, all these things. Because again, they want to repeat what this incredible event, the Azusa Street. You don't want to repeat that. Well, guess what? That wasn't from God. Those other ones weren't from God either. Okay, again, this is coming out of the Assemblies of God. Uh, we're going to take a look at David youngy Cho. Now, this is in Korea. This is the largest church on the planet. And what's going on with there? And then, of course, we have to deal with another famous Assemblies of God, Benny Hinn. Lord willing, we'll deal with that next time. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? We all know you're guilty. Uh, You even admit you're guilty. And uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes and they literally can go free. God bless.